think about your process. Because whether you officially trademark it right away or you think in those terms, you're going to stand out when you say, I have a methodology that nobody else can offer. And here's what it is. Welcome to this week's episode of the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin, lawyer, mama of kid and doggy, tennis player, once and future trail runner, YouTube addict, and dreamer. I provide legal tips and bits for turning your expertise into recurring revenue, turning your time-intensive hourly-based business to one that is scalable and hopefully one day saleable is the journey from hourly to exit. This podcast is for experts, consultants, coaches, and other professional services providers with sophisticated corporate clients. If you're investing in the growth of your business, you need advice and resources that address the issues that set you apart from other service-based businesses. Those templates for online businesses don't mean a thing when your client sends their 50-page master services agreement to you for signature. Stop playing small because you don't know how to protect your ideas. Hourly to Exit is here to show you how to navigate the maze of contracts and intellectual property issues so that you can safely and profitably share your ideas with clients and with collaborators. Before we dive in, please remember that this podcast provides general information only. The content of this podcast should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not intended to be a substitute for professional legal consultation. Each legal situation is unique and the laws and regulations can vary widely by location and they do change over time. For specific legal advice regarding your individual circumstances, please consult with a qualified attorney who can address your specific needs. Now, let's get started with today's topic. Hello, ladies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Hourly to Exit podcast. I am very excited for this week's guest, Judy Weber. Welcome, Judy. Thank you, Erin. I've been looking forward to this all week. Yeah, it has been. We've had so many conversations. I'm so glad we're finally getting you on the podcast because this is a great conversation for us to have. We serve a similar audience and similar stage of business. So I think we'll get a lot out of our conversation. Before we get started, though, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. I am Judy Weber, and I am a scaling strategist and business coach for Christian women. And I'm on mission to normalize miraculous results for Christian women in business. And so it's an honor to be here and impart these pearls of wisdom that the Lord downloaded to me. <laughs> and I love that. I love that we were both attorneys. So I know we're going to be yes. talking about that. We and are. I'm going to start right out of the gate, Aaron, and say that I think law school is a beautiful precursor to entrepreneurship. So I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah, well, that is, well, we can start there. And I will say, as everyone can tell, and we'll talk about this, your offers as well, that Judy is a very joyful person. It'll come up again and again as we have our conversations. It is so apparent right off the top. And so it's funny that you mentioned that about law school. 
Because so many lawyers come out without a single entrepreneurial bone in our bodies, right? (laughs) And the way we bill still, I mean, who is the dinosaur of the unscalable business model? Like who's kind of hanging in there? The Blackberry of (laughs) the business models, right? (laughs) We love our Blackberries and we love our hourly bills. I love my Blackberry. (laughs) Please come back. (laughs) Oh, I love my Blackberry. I mean, I probably had the last one. I have a friend, law school friend, and she bought multiple ones. And she would just like go, she had her guy who would just keep patching the same one together until finally like it was just not being supported anymore i mean she might have had the last black bear in the country i think (laughs) yeah but yeah you have made the switch completely i think from lawyer to entrepreneur i am kind of in the middle and yeah tell us us about your journey from kind of making that switch and how it works yeah i just want to say that and i teach my clients this i say you know what in law school and 20 years as a trial lawyer I learned how to think strategically to win. And that is at the very backbone of success in entrepreneurship, where you could think about a thousand things, but you zero in on what matters. I remember in the courtroom, one of the first things, I'm such a detail-oriented person, Erin, that I think I struggled a little bit as a trial lawyer because I was thinking of, but wait, what about this fact? Or what about this thing? And then finally, it dawned on me that, okay, you're an advocate, Jude. So yeah, these are some bad facts. How can we minimize those? And the great facts, how can we highlight those? And so the same thing here in entrepreneurship, where it's like, once you understand where you need to focus, hint, hint, the gurus take you up track, okay? They say, you need to do a thousand things. And right out of the gate, you need to be in a thousand different places. And so you're like spinning your wheels and woohoo-hoo, and you're all by yourself, a solopreneur in the beginning. And you're like, wait, what? So I'm here to tell you, website's not important. In the beginning, you don't have to be in a thousand places right from the beginning. I developed what I call a sophisticatedly simple business model built on the one, one, one principle. And that is one offer. That's your 100K offer. That could be your seven figure offer. And you have one best client and you give them one big transformation. And that is really where we need to focus. So we think strategically to win. What does my best client need? First, who the heck are they? What do they need? What are their problems? And how am I going to solve them? So the way I think is exactly what we learned in law school, Erin. Wow, that is amazing. That is great. I love that. Well, one of the things that you mentioned was that websites are important and doing all the things. I mean, it brought to mind whether or not you're in your zone of genius versus in your zone of competence versus your zone of incompetence. And I think when we're soloists, especially, we spend a lot of time outside of our zone of genius, right? Because for me personally, I'm not a marketer. So when I'm doing marketing stuff, I'm not in my zone of genius unless it's sharing my expertise. But if I'm trying to figure out how to work LinkedIn, I'm trying to figure out my newsletter cadence and things like that. I'm 100% in my zone of incompetence. And so figuring out how to kind of do that one thing, that's the most important thing, is a challenge Mm. for all of us, honestly. Yeah, but can I say something? Mm -hmm. In love, I'm going to coach you right here on the spot. Can we do that? Yes, please. I always think of these as free free coaching. That's why I love doing the podcast. Well, here I am to serve, so I'm going to serve you up, and that's going to serve everybody listening. Okay, so you said I'm not a marketer. And so I used to think that too. And I have many clients that say, I'm not a salesperson. Don't you dare call me a salesperson, but hang on a second. What we think about is what we become. And so the thought 
I'm in my zone of incompetence while I appreciate the concept. And I think that's like a sophisticated, like a smart brain came up with that, you, right? But that doesn't serve you to say that you're in your zone of incompetence. How about we switch it around and say, you know what? I'm growing as a marketer every day because we need, especially as a solopreneur, we need to learn how to market. We need to learn how to sell. It's like, you're smart. You know how to market. It's just that we don't have maybe the focus We don't know where to focus because we have this person over here saying you got to do this. And then we have this person over here saying we got to do that. And we're, as you say, trying to figure it out on our own. That's the value of a coach to say, I've got this process and jump in and you won't be having to get on that treadmill like and tire yourself out to exhaustion. Last thing I'll say to wrap all this up, this is going to be the nugget of gold. If you get nothing else out of this episode, ladies listening, this is what it is. Success is a result of who you believe yourself to be. And I'll tell you as a smarty pants, and I don't mean to tote myself up, but I was always the one at the top of the class. I didn't graduate number one, but I was always in the top 10. I wanted to excel. I studied my butt off and I was a straight A student. But as I thought about it, it's probably only because I considered myself to be a straight A student. I was scared when I went to law school. I said, oh my gosh, I've been a straight A student. I don't know that I'll get a law review in at Villanova, but I did by God's grace. But when you believe that you are a six-figure entrepreneur or a seven-figure entrepreneur, and it feels really weird. The first time I heard that, I hated it. They're like, pretend you are or think like she does. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. But I'm here to tell you that the how isn't as important as the who. Who am I? And you are an expert. You may not be an expert CEO yet, but you're on your way to that. So like, keep the eye on kind of where you're going. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I like that. Thank you for that. I needed that coaching. <laughs> I will just check not in the mail. Thank you for the free coaching. <laughs> really? I mean, can I just like that? That was kind of like a monologue, but the coaching would be, what do you feel when you say I'm not in my zone of genius as a marketer? Like what is the mm. feeling up for that? Well, I do, by the way, I did not come up with that. There's a author named first name gay. I can't remember the last name, but I feel like it's not my highest and best use. That is what I do feel. I feel like there's somebody else who could do this better, faster, more effectively than I can. And that let me stay in my lane of talking about copyrights and contracts. That's kind of you know what's fun about what you said? Those are, for the most part, thoughts, not feelings. Your thought is somebody else can do this better. And I'm here to tell you that nobody knows your business like you do. Nobody knows your best client like you do. So I will say that's like a thought error. But what is the feeling? Like if I would think to myself, I'm not a marketer. And if I were about to do marketing, I would feel like unqualified, confused, right? Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, I would say overwhelmed would be the word for it, but kind of treading water, maybe. Like mm-hmm. I'm never quite getting ahead. I'm- not moving forward with it. It's just like, okay, I'm getting this done this week. And then next week I'm getting that done. And, but it's always here I am at starting line to get it done. What do I have to get done? I got to write the newsletter. I got to get the, you know, like I always feel like I'm just starting over. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. I'm just starting over again. That's a horrible thought as opposed to, you know, so again, I don't have to belabor this, but I have a faith fueled thought process. And if anybody listening wants it, And Aaron, if you want it, reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn at Judy Weber Co. And I will send you my training on my faith-filled thought model because this is where we grab hold of our thoughts and hold them captive so we can really examine them 
And what we find is that these thoughts that keep going through our mind often are lies, Mm -hmm. often lies. We accept them as true and as fact, Mm -hmm. but we have to examine them. Mm -hmm. Because when we get to the truth of who you are, you're smart. Yeah, you, got, mm-hmm. you went to Harvard and you got like, is that, yeah. I don't feel like I'm not smart, but I feel like, is this how I should be? Or something like to have a strategy, right? And then to execute it. How much of that should be me versus somebody else? Like there's someone who is less expensive than me, put it, put it that way, than me to be project managing some of these things to get them. And I would say, yes, mm-hmm. you get to a certain point. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say this, I think this is really valuable for everybody listening that I may differ from a bunch of business coaches out there. But I think in the beginning, when you're in the trenches, the clarity that only you, through power thinking, there's the lawyer sitting and thinking, the clarity you get as to who your best client is, only you can really get to the depth beyond the superficial level. She's a bop, bop, bop. Okay, but what problems is she dealing with right now? How does she think? What does she think about you as an expert and your whole industry? And what is she really looking to solve? All those things. So if you want that faith field thought model, that is the key. I will tell you mindset. I poo-pooed it for years, Aaron, and it slowed me down. I'm like, look, I'm a doer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. La, la, la. What I think about, who cares? I want to get it done. And when I finally slowed down and listened to the coach, I invested over a quarter million dollars in the last seven years in coaching. So let me tell you, I don't look at it as a waste. I grew so much, but it's the mindset that's going to be, whoo, it's going to take you to whole new places, Aaron. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I do agree that all the conversations that I have, I like, I do consider myself a salesperson. So that is the one thing like, which I is different than a marketer. I absolutely consider myself my sales, best salesperson that I am the salesperson all the conversations that I have, I learn something from every single sales conversation, whichever way it goes. And so that's 100% me. But thank you for that. I do think that'd be very valuable. And I absolutely do think it's something that we all struggle with, that how to like, where should our time, attention, resources be going to be most efficient? So, well, that brings me to, I mean, apparently I am your (laughs) target client. So who do you work with mostly? Why do they come to you? What pain are they feeling that they go, I need to go see Judy? So good. Now, I live my talk. I walk my talk. So earlier, I mentioned my sophisticatedly simple business model built on the one 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 principle. Well, initially, yes, one offer. But guess what? At this stage, approaching seven figures, I have two. So I have my joyful six figures accelerator, helping women get to their first 100K year. And then I work with other ladies at six or multi-six to get toward the seven. That's my joyful scaling mastermind. So the pain points for the joyful six figures accelerator is exactly what we're talking about here. I'm smart. I've been an expert. I'm a professional or I've been a corporate person. I've got expertise. And now I want to say bye-bye to working for somebody else and jump into entrepreneurship. And I know I thought the transition would be super easy and it wasn't for some of the reasons we just talked about. So that's their pain. And my solution is through my three-step process. It's simple three steps where it's focused. And I'll tell you what they are. First step is the right offer framework. Create your 100K offer, making three simple decisions. And that's it. But that's where we go. And it's your best client. Decide who that is very clearly, very specifically. Next is what's the transformation you're going to provide, the major transformation. And third, what is the container, like the price? How long is it? And kind of how is delivery? That's step one, the 100K offer. Everything flows from that. Then the next is joy-infused marketing. Marketing should be fun. It shouldn't be a drudgery. And when we're staying focused, it can be. 
And then the third part is ethical selling. And I just talked last week on my Joyful Business Workshop, I talked about how it is servant leadership intersects with buyer psychology to really do selling in a way that feels good. So that's my accelerator to get to your first 100K. Briefly, my mastermind are for those already there. And so there we focus on the breakthrough strategy as the first scaling strategy. So we're really looking at the marketing and the sales and delivery to refine everything that they have going on to make sure that you're ready to really scale, meaning you're not necessarily selling one-to-one. At that level, you're selling one-to-many. It's a little bit of a different selling. And then the second scaling strategy is ops, operations. So we look at team, we look at automation, and we look at SOPs. And then the third scaling strategy is profit. See, everybody talks about revenue. I know some seven-figure businesses and their profit is in the gutter. It's like nowhere. They have cash flow problems all the time. So we look at the numbers and not just the dollars. We look at client results. If your clients aren't getting results, who's going to talk well about you? Nobody. So we look at the numbers. We have a strategic planning, both short-term and long-term, and we have initiatives that have to be put in place in order to continue to fuel the revenue that are coming in. So briefly, that's who I work with. <laughs> right. so those are two different avatars, are they not? Yes, absolutely. So, okay. So you started, which one did you start with and how did you add the second? Yeah, I will tell you, I started with the mastermind mm-hmm. because you may have heard of my podcast that I hired a $75,000 coach and she started start high, not low. And I get that. But I will tell you that my accelerator, look, there's more women getting to their first 100K than there are women that are approaching seven figures. So I've decided, because I get to, as CEOs, we get to decide. I've decided that I'm focusing on the accelerator more going into 2024 because there's so much of a need there. And when my clients there get results, then they graduate up to the mastermind. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely, absolutely. And so do you fish in the same swimming hole for both programs? Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. It is basically the woman, she's in a different stage in her business. Mm-hmm. She's smart, like you and me. She's a go-getter. She's not afraid of hard work, but she's tired. I tend to attract women in their 40s and 50s and a little bit in their 60s because that's who I am. And so they kind of resonate as opposed to hiring a business coach that shows her, you know, hanging out in her bikini. Right, right. Um, you know, so yeah, I would say generally it is fishing in the same ponds. Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, so one of the things I noted that you talk about building a sustainable business. And so sustainable is, I think we all have different definitions Mm. of that term. What does it mean for you and how do you help your clients build a sustainable business? Yeah. I mean, whether you're, again, in the earlier stages, getting to that first 100K or you are beyond it, now you're ready to scale and really take it big time. Sustainability to me is not working all the time right? And so when you get past six and certainly multi-six, you have to have a team. You cannot do it alone. I mean, I'd be lost. There's no way I could do what I do without a team. But again, sophisticatedly simple business. I do not want five different departments with 30 different employees. That's not me. I have a director of ops. I have a social media selling strategist and I have a social media creative strategist. And then I have an admin. So we're a very lean team. My niece is my accountant. So again, there's five people on our team, but you need that help in order to make it something that can operate without you. Mm-hmm. You know, So I think in the earlier stages, sustainability is about focus and clarity. And later on, sustainability is about not doing everything yourself and creating systems and processes so that you can, like me, I'm two miles from the beach, so you can go hang out <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> uh, how perfect. <laughs> Well, speaking of building a business that can operate independently from you, like your business is your name. 
Judy Weber LLC, right? And But you do have branded offers. And I know a lot of us, as we're building our businesses, we struggle with what to call our businesses, how closely to identify it with us. If we ever want to get to the point where we're not doing all the delivery, we're not doing all the things, like, do we name it after ourselves? Do we have this great trademark name that we have? Like, how do you advise people to think about Yeah, that? you know, I don't know that a client has directly asked me that question. So that's so good. I mean, I have thought about it. For me right now, I mean, I'm 58. If this was 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, I might think about changing the name of the LLC. But even what I'm creating right now, it could be saleable mm -hmm. because of the brand messaging behind it. So that Judy Weber is the face of it right now, but there is like a mission and a movement mm -hmm. behind what I do. But to your point, the programs definitely need to be results oriented and really speak to on an intellectual and an emotional level. It needs to speak to your best client. I know so many times we grapple over that, but it's so funny because what I've learned from coaching, the coach that taught me the most with the whole mindset thing is that, you know what? You need to fall in love with your program and you could call it Jack Spratt or you could call it something else. Like, like really it's you and your belief about it and the way you talk about it that matters more than calling it something cute and creative. So sometimes cute and creative can cause confusion, which is yes. not a good thing. <laughs> yes, yes. That's definitely something that many of us will learn the hard way. Like, that's very clever, except I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and that's definitely not the goal. Yeah, I agree with that. And so you mentioned systems and processes and SOPs. You're speaking my language here. I like to help people you know, turn that expertise into intellectual property assets so they can create that independence. When you're working with your clients, are you working with them on those things? What kind of questions are they asking you? Mm, yeah, I always am talking with ladies. Some of my ladies that come into the accelerator, they're at 50, 60, 70,000, and they have an offer. They just wanted to refine it. But a lot come in in the earlier stage. Some that just joined in, they're basically just opening their doors. And I say to them, and it blows their mind, what is your method? Even if you're one-on-one, -on -one, you have a method. What is it? I don't know. I don't really accept that as an answer in love. I smile and I say, you do know. You get your client's results, right? Yes. Okay. So how do you do that? Here's where they are when they come in and they may come in slightly different points, right? Like I just said, my accelerator, sometimes they come in brand new. Sometimes they come in three years into the business and it's just not working, whatever. But generally speaking, where are they coming in and what's their before and then what's their after? And then what are you doing to get them from point A to point Z? And so I make them power think. And they said they hate it in the beginning sometimes. There's some like resistance. But then when I say, okay, great. And what tools and what cool name can we call that protocol or that process so that it becomes unique? And here's the fun thing I just want to say, and I know you know this, but we can't say this enough. In the Bible, it says there's nothing new under the sun. And that's so true. And can I just tell everybody out there, there's really not much new in business, okay? Because basic business principles are from the beginning of time till the end of time. But how you put it together is what makes you unique, right? So could there be other programs that kind of follow my process? Yes, but they're not called the Joyful Six Figures Accelerator, right? So really, I encourage everybody listening to think about your process because whether you officially trademark it right away or you think in those terms, you're gonna stand out when you say, I have a methodology that nobody else can offer. And here's what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So many people will ask about the protecting their methodologies. 
am wondering if it has to be completely unique. As my question came up during a workshop I had a couple of weeks ago, like, well, what is original? What does that mean? It doesn't mean it's like this thing that nobody ever thought of ever before. Like, oh my God, mind-blowingly innovative. It just means it's your own original expression about, it could be the same old tired ideals, frankly, because as you mentioned, there are no new ideas, but how we filter them and how we use those ideas to deliver results for our clients, that is original to us. If it's from us with our own unique spin to it, by unique, I just mean not copied from somebody else, (laughs) that then that is how we create that One, we create new assets that we can protect, hopefully, with copyrights. And we help to create our unique positioning and our brand. And so you have to have something that distinguishes you from all the other leadership people or the HR people. And so finding that original way to express maybe some of the same ideas. Yeah. Can I say something on that? I, as a lawyer, and I just thought about this just this week, Erin. I consider myself unconventional and I kind of push the needle on things even before I became a lawyer. So I think that totally fits my personality. But as I thought about it, I'm like, am I a rule follower? I guess I love taking risks. I come from poor, so I had to in order to get anywhere close to where I am. But I just want to encourage the women listening. Don't be so afraid of being sued. Like in the way of trademark (laughs) copywriting, you need somebody like Aaron that's going to advise you because there are some wrinkles that you need to be aware of to be safe and all that. But I see too much times that we assume the worst, we meaning too many women out there that maybe aren't lawyers, right? And they're just like, oh my gosh, I can't do that because I don't want to be sued. And they just hesitate so much. So I encourage you to reach out to Aaron with your questions or another professional, like if you're hiring or anything like that, reach out to an employment lawyer, get a professional and write expert guidance. Because when we operate in fear, let me tell you this. No decision made from fear is a good decision. It's just not. Do you find that that's something? I mean, I don't know. You don't work. Do you ever work with men or? As a lawyer with my lawyer hat? Well, no, with your current authors. Is it all women? Oh, yes, it's all women. Okay, yeah. But I'm wondering, like, generally, if that is something that operating with fear and being afraid to take risks is a general fear of risks. Is that something that is unique to women and is something that you need to really kind of help them with? I mean, I know men have fear of risk too, but does that more come out more with your female? I think, so. I think the Lord made us to be such givers mm-hmm. and we just want to serve. I've never met a woman, even a seven figure woman who said I was in this thing for the money. Like that's why I started. <laughs> We're saying I want to help, right? Uh-huh. And so they're givers. And so they have this heart to serve. And I'll tell you, sometimes, especially in Christian circles, there's almost like this guilt about getting paid for it. And I'm like, wait a minute, can I just ask one thing? Why do you not have any problem, and they use, they don't, taking a paycheck from somebody, but somehow when you're charging for beautiful expertise that's helping someone, why do you have any guilt around that? They're getting value, you're getting value. You know what I mean? So I think that women do uniquely struggle with this idea of some guilt, some shame, and some risk-averse tendencies which does not serve you. I understand it, but that's again where you need the expert guidance to say, okay, here's where you need to be careful and here's where you're worrying about nothing. Yeah, that was a lot of the reasoning behind my original hourly to exit kind of structure is that not thinking about preparing for exit in this kind of bro culture kind of way of just being it for the money. They're starting something just immediately because they're just building it to sell and not to serve their clients, not for the impact that they can have. We still can be building businesses 
to maximize wealth. And that's a good thing. It's not a dirty bro thing. It is a look what you can do for your community. Look what you can do for your church. Which look what you can do for your kids when we use our expertise to create wealth. And so, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Why are we feeling guilty? God, here's my thing. And this is going to be crazy, but I'm going to say it, okay? I believe it's a sin when you play small, okay? There, I've said it. And I've said it before. And the first time I said it, I kind of felt funny. But the more I say it, the more I believe it. Why? Real quick, the parable of the talents. Go look that up. Google it, okay? So what happened? The master, who's really God, had given different people different amounts of talents. He gave somebody 10 talents, somebody else five talents. And the one, he gave one talent. When he came back, the one that had 10 doubled it. The one that had five doubled it. The one that had one, he goes, oh, here it is back again. Here he buried it. And he goes, I was afraid. And what did the master say? Get away from you, you wicked, slothful, that's lazy servant. So to me, it's like, he's saying, I gave you this. And instead of doing the scary, bold, courageous thing and going out and trying to make more by serving and doing something with the talents he's given you, you buried it. That's like a mindset shift. The enemy would love to help you believe, oh, you better sit down. You better shut up. You're being self-ambition. No, we're in this to serve. We really have to be discerning on our motivation. And if you really have a heart to serve, go out there and go big. Yeah, yeah. So for many of us, it's not just about the revenue or the income. It's also about the impact, right? Absolutely. And there's only so many people you can serve with your one-on-one services. So if you want to multiply your impact, then you need to build a scalable business, right? Yeah. And there's lots of ways to do that, right? One-to-one, then transition to group. Or in what you do, certain instances, you might want a license and then get certifications. I mean, there's so many different ways to scale. But yeah, one-to-one, you'll tire out because your calendar can only stretch you so far. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Even now, if you don't have to go on sites anymore, like maybe you had to before, but still all that prep. If you're creating original materials for every client, then the work that goes into that. And so, yeah, so wonderful. We're at the end of 2023 as we record this. So I'm wondering, what do you see coming ahead in 2024? Do you any trends that you think will either accelerate in 2024 or maybe there'll be some complete reversals? What do you think for 2024? Yeah, I think only the strong are going to survive. I think that specificity is one of the words for me and our brand, Judy Weber Co. into 2024. And what I'm really impressing upon my clients is this idea of knowing your best client so well that while everybody else is saying the same thing that everybody else is saying, and they're going to not even be heard, they're going to disappear, okay, and ultimately go out of business. I want you to go all in and be bold and decide, oh, decision-making is the most key and critical CEO skill. So decide who that best client is and stop apologizing. Oh, well, I, I can't serve everybody. You sure can. But until you get specific, nobody's going to hear it. So be strong in specificity. And the other word is focus. Okay, if you are feeling out of time, out of breath, just overwhelmed from what we were talking about earlier, then you need to, you think you won't have time to, but you need to slow down and strategically look at what you're doing. And there's that rule 80-20, right? 80% of your revenue is only coming from 20% of what you're doing. Double down on that 20%. First, in order to do that, you got to identify it. (laughs) So specificity and focus. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. You know, it reminds me of, in fiction, although, you know, I'm one of these aspiring great American novelists. Someday I'll finish one. I didn't know that. But, yeah. but when you know you're Carrie in fiction, 
you start with your characters, right? Because once you know your characters really well, like what they say comes naturally. Like if you start the other way around, it's very hard to move the story forward. But when you have these characters and you understand like what their fealties are, what their hopes and dreams are, then it kind of naturally occurs. And same thing with knowing who you're serving. When you know who you're serving, then you know how to talk to them, what they're thinking about, how to help them. And it makes everything easier. If people wonder about what to write about, for instance, like, oh, I can't do a newsletter. Well, well, if you know your client well enough, you know exactly what to write about because, you know, how you can help them. So, yeah. That's right. I can't underscore that enough. And just knowing who the best client is and to that level, what motivates them, why, and then going seven layers deep. Real quick, one of the most powerful coaching interviews I had when I was interviewing a coach, she said, Judy, why are you doing this? I'll be honest with you, Erin. I hated that question. What do you mean, why? That's just so stupid. Why do you think I'm doing it? But I said, I don't know. I want to make my kids proud of me. And she goes, why is that important to you? And she just kept asking, and why does that matter? And why is that? I'm telling you, until it got so deep that I was crying. And she knew she had me. Why? Because she got me emotionally. So when we just think superficially, Let's do the hard thing. The thing that feels like we're just going to fight it tooth and nail. Whatever you're resisting now, ladies, go all in on that. That's where your next breakthrough is. Mm -hmm. Truly. I love that. All right. Well, as we wrap up, this is the Hourly to Exit podcast where we help women build wealth through building scalable and hopefully someday saleable businesses. So do you have any plans to maybe someday sell your business? I dream big, Erin. And in the fall, we're doing our inaugural Joyful Business Live in-person event right here on the Emerald Coast of Florida. So we don't have our date. Actually, this afternoon, I'm going to go check out the venue. So yes, I feel like God has chosen me to lead a movement. I haven't thought about this as fully as that, but I do see this mission that God has put me on to normalize miraculous results being big enough so that as long as I'm here on this earth long enough, I can definitely see that happening. Now that you mention it, January is the year I'm coming together with my team for strategic planning. And that will be part of it. Where do we see big picture in three years and five years? So yeah, and I think if anyone listening never thought about it, think about that. Like if you're called to something and you just get so excited about working with your clients and you're getting them great results, I mean, don't stop your brain, like go big, think big. Yeah, you know, assuming that you're doing work that you love, making an impact that's important to you. If we think about selling our businesses, it's not about, again, like something dirty, but it is making sure that the transformations that you've created continue even when you're ready to do something else. So if you have a team that they then can continue to deliver, if you have a group of people that you've been helping that you can continue to help them even when you are no longer personally doing it. So it is very legacy building, right? If we build businesses that we can sell. so Yeah, because we don't live forever. Right. And so when I think about the ladies that I'm impacting now and like in 20 years or 30 years when I'm not here, wouldn't that be sad to like not have that exist for them? Mm -hmm. So again, it's not selfish to say I'm selling this business. Again, you're really get out of that. That's a lie of the enemy. Say, you know, wow, in order for me to sell this, what I'm really doing is impacting lives of women who aren't even born yet. That's an amazing thought. (laughs) I love it that way. That is great. That is wonderful. So as we wrap up, I know that you have a freebie for the audience. Would you like to introduce it? Yes, I would be honored if you would take me up on this freebie. It's my hiring guide. It's time to hire your dream team and take all the guesswork out of strategic hiring. 
And so inside the guide is my every step of the hiring process, like who to hire, when to hire, what to pay, and where to even find the right people. So I'll drop the link for you in the show notes, but it's judyweber.co slash hiring guide. Oh, that's wonderful. I know that'd be very helpful to a lot of people and another freebie for me. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned where people can find you on your website. Where else do you hang out? Yes, I'm really loving Instagram lately. But yeah, yeah, Instagram's cool. But really, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, again, all at Judy Weber Co. And if you're listening and you heard me here on Aaron's podcast, will you please reach out and tell me that? I really want to connect. I'm not one of these fakers that's just trying to like grow audience or whatever. I really connect and I'm all into relationships. So it'd be an honor to hear from you. That is wonderful. What kind of content do you put on Instagram? I'm just curious. You know, when you mentioned about content, you know what? We talk about our pillars of each of our either program, depending on what I'm promoting. And really every day, I think, what does my best client need to hear? So it's a mix of mindset and strategy. I do polls, not on Instagram, but, you know, in my stories and stuff and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I So if you're into building a business, God's way. Yes, I would love. And also my podcast, my Joyful Scaling podcast, of which Aaron is a guest. Yes, my Joyful Scaling podcast. We have over 400 episodes now. I'm going to have my fourth anniversary, January 1st, which is Oh, congratulations. Wow, that's wonderful. (laughs) Yes, so that's another great place to kind of get connected and plugged in. So you're doing, you were been doing two a week, basically, to get to 400 and... It's insane. Yes. Yes. I mean, at least once a week. And like this week, I just had a workshop. So I think we're, we put up four or five episodes this week. So yes, ma'am, we are constantly churning out content because it's what I feel led to do in order to ladies listening to me, help them get the results. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Judy. This has been a fantastic conversation. I got lots of wonderful advice myself, and I'm sure that the audience did as well. Well, thank you again, Erin, for the opportunity and love you, girl. Thank you. This week's episode of the Hourly to Exit podcast is sponsored by the NDA Navigator. Non-disclosure agreements, also known as NDAs, are the bedrock of protecting your ideas and your business's confidential information. Of course, I recommend that you have a lawyer review any agreement before you sign it. However, Facing a constant stream of NDAs can be overwhelming, especially when time and budget constraints prevent you from seeking full legal review. That's where the NDA Navigator comes in. Designed specifically for entrepreneurs, consultants, and business owners with corporate clients, the NDA Navigator is your guide to understanding, negotiating, and implementing NDAs. Empower yourself with legal insights and practical tools when you don't have the time or funds for a full legal review. Get 20% off by using the coupon code H2E at protectyourexpertise.com. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Hourly to Exit podcast. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the resources and organizations mentioned during the episode. If you find the podcast to be valuable, Please subscribe so you get notified of new episodes every week. And I would be so grateful for a rating and review, and it helps get the word out. See you next week.